Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning to our listeners. Thank you for joining us this morning. My name is Ava Green Cameron. Welcome to New Life Horizon Church. This morning is Resurrection Sunday, and we declare to you that Jesus is risen. The tomb is empty. He paid the debt that you and I owed with his, with his life. And this morning, the tomb is empty. That's the receipt of what he did. And so this morning, I want you to, to relax, joining with us as we celebrate what God has done for us. We want to show the Lord this morning that we are in gratitude and we come with a celebratory heart, a heart of thanksgiving. And so this morning, we thank you, Father, for what you have done. We thank you for your blood that was shed. We thank you for your body that was pierced. We thank you, Father God, for the, for the lashes you took on our behalf. We thank you, Father, that you died in our place, that we can have this assurance this morning to come into your presence with thanksgiving in our hearts. And so, Father, we just thank you and we honor you for who you are. We pray this morning, Father, for those this morning who are unable to join us. We pray for those who are connecting. We pray for those who are listening. We pray, Father God, you know the very needs of everyone this morning. You know those who are fearful. And even no, no matter what is said, Lord, they still feel fear and we can understand. And so, Father, we come this morning with your word of comfort. That you overcame death. You overcame the grave. You overcame sickness. And this morning, God, because of that, we can sit and we can stand and we can dance and we can shout and we can clap. And we can say, our God reigns. Father, we bless your name this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity this morning. We thank you that you are a great God, that you are a good God. You are a God that knew mercies. As my mother told me last week, she says, every morning you woke, wake up. The mercies that you need for today. And though it's a scripture that you know and that I knew, when she said it to me, it just resounded in my spirit. That the mercies that I need today are available for today. Tomorrow, is, yesterday is gone. Tomorrow hasn't come. And tomorrow when you wake up, there will be new mercies because our God has provided the mercies that we need for today and he will provide for tomorrow. So come, let us praise the Lord together. Come, let us magnify the Lord together. Come, let us lift up the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. And this morning we want to look at the seven words of Jesus. The seven words he spoke before he gave up his life on the cross. And so we're going to welcome Pastor Kurt this morning to begin with, this, with the first seven words of Jesus. Yes, good morning church. And thank you for joining us. So today we're going to do um, stuff a little bit different. We're going to actually tag team the message. So the idea that every person get a turn and then we project with the music and then later on if time permits we have a discussion father thank you again for this opportunity to present your word 
Lord, we pray for clarity. We pray for your spirit. We pray for your help at this time, that you will use us as mighty vessels to do your will. Lord, we thank you that we have this opportunity to share your word, and Lord, we don't take it lightly. We thank you for the grace, the strength, the energy to see another day, another day in your presence, another day to do your will. So, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us today. Unite with us. Help us to see you in a different way as we open scripture and as we come into your presence. Lord, we ask you that you would clean us. You will search our hearts. You'll, you will continue to purify us as we enter into your presence boldly to sit, to fellowship with you. Thank you, Lord, for drawing us to your presence. Thank you for doing everything that you possibly did on that cross. Thank you that you are risen today. You're risen in our hearts. You're risen in our lives. You're risen in everything that we reflect of you. So thank you that you have given us the mandate and you have given us the charge. And you have given us your promised Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, fall afresh on us today. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. And thank you again for joining us. So the charge I got was to speak on the, the first, last words. And we understand the, the essence when somebody gives you a last word. It has a sense of meaning, a sense of, sense of depth. Like you have to listen carefully. And uh, we're going to reflect that right now. So the scripture that we'll be taking this from is Luke 23, 34. And it says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. So we understand that Jesus is on the cross. And this was something that he knew before the beginning of the time. And he understand the depth, but it was with so much pain and the, the pressure being on the cross. So he, he asked us to do the same thing, because remember in Acts, that Jesus did what he said, and he, he said what he did. So now he's, he's on the cross, and everybody's in the, the idea. Persons were running up and down in fear. Just like anything that happened in this time, if we don't understand the meaning of it, we'll be, we'll be running into fear. And um, so I saw Jesus doing that thing, and Jesus on the cross, and Jesus said, to for, please forgive them, because they know not what they do. We understand forgiveness was the first thing that was mentioned. And, and, and as we think about even the, 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 our Lord's Prayer, it is mentioned there. So I thought about somebody who did the same thing that Jesus did, going through another situation. So um, as we can check from Acts 7, 55 to 60, only five verses. And it says, verse 55, 
But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Verse 56, Acts 7, verse 56. And said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and and stopped their ears and ran up upon him with, with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And with the witnesses laid down their clothes at, at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul. Verse 59. And they stoned Stephen. He calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, Receive my spirit. And he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So we saw Stephen doing the very same thing that God tell him or charge us to do, to forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Stephen, at first, it said he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he got a revelation during that time that he saw the heavens open. And then he got the idea of seeing the Lord. He saw heaven open and seeing the Lord standing at the right hand of God. It's almost when somebody gives you a standing ovation, it is with much respect to say, wow. You are doing the same thing that I did on the cross. And I could see this blessing Jesus in a way that he stood. Because at other times he was seated. But this time he stood at the right hand of God. And we saw Stephen did the same thing being stoned. He said, Father, lay this charge not unto them. For they do not know what they are doing. And so as we, we continue to enter into the, the series, I'm going to play um, the song to reflect the message. And the song is simple. It is when Stephen saw a revelation of Jesus. Because when, when we are being tested or tempted, we have to see the revelation of Jesus. It is that thing that we, we are, have to be energized to walk in the spirit, to forgive persons, to live holy. Anything that we have to do, we have to be first filled with the spirit so that we do not gratify the nature of the flesh. So I'm, I'm going to play the song and we pray that it ministers to you. This song just simply says, I see the Lord. I see the Lord exalted high above the worship of the people of the earth. Oh, I see the Lord. I see the Lord. My eyes have seen the King, the Lamb upon the throne who reigns for Ever. 
Good morning, good morning, brothers and sisters. My name is Anne Forbes Blaine. I'm charged this morning to express Jesus' last word, um, the second of his last word, in Luke 23, verse 43. And it says, And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. As I look at this, I realize that this was an answer to the request of the thief on the cross, asking Jesus to remember him when he was in his kingdom. This thief was not a churchgoer. He was not taught anything about God. It, it just expressed that he was on the cross with Christ. He was guilty of sin. He was guilty of being a thief. He stole something and he was with Christ. Here, the thief expressed simple faith. He was not one of the disciples that were following Jesus. The, the scripture is very vague about this thief, it just mentioned that he was on the cross. But obviously he must have heard something somewhere before to know that Jesus was innocent because he made that statement before, that Jesus was innocent and he recognized the kingship of Jesus because he asked to remember when he got into his kingdom. And Jesus granted this wish, this request that was so simple. This, for me, highlighted the fact that salvation is a simple process. It is a process where we recognize our sinfulness like the thief did. And Jesus just said yes. He recognized that, okay, I am wrong. I am a sinner. And please remember me. He didn't go and fix up his life. He didn't go on and, and, and say, oh, I have to do this first. The gift of salvation is simple. In Ephesians 2, 8 to 9, it says, For it is by grace we have been saved by faith, not of ourselves, but it is the gift of God, not works. That so that we may boast. Are you living for Christ, brothers and sisters? Have you trust in him? And if you have, are you still trusting him? The second point of paradise. Um, the word paradise comes from the Greek word paradios. And in searching through the scripture, it was, um, though the, the, the Jews spoke of it as the Garden of Eden, we recognize where Paul highlighted it in, in Corinthians as the third heaven. And Paul said in 
Corinthians 12, verse 2 and 4. I, am in, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago caught up, was caught up in the third heaven, and whatever was out of the body, I do not know. But God knows. And I know this man, whether apart from the body or in the body, I don't know. Paradise. I know that paradise I'll be caught up. Paradise is the same as heaven, according to, to, to Paul here. And when Jesus said, today, truly I say unto you, you will be in paradise. He spoke of heaven, absent from the body and present with the Lord. He spoke of being in the presence of God. Once we die, once salvation is ours, we are in paradise. Do you look forward to heaven? Do you look forward to seeing your king? I remember, I'm, I'm guilty of this. When I just got saved, it was so exciting. I looked forward to heaven. And this scripture today reminds me of how beautiful it is to be saved by Christ and have that assurance by faith that when you're absent from the body, you're present with the Lord. And so here we just want to share a song with you saying, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Let us rejoice, brothers and sisters. Let us rejoice and be glad. For indeed our God is good. He has made a way for us. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace. Bright and blessed He'll prepare for us a place When we all get to heaven What a day of rejoicing it will be When we all see Jesus We'll sing and shout the victory going to be looking at John chapter 19 verses 26 and 27. It says, when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, 
here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Now, when I thought about this scripture, I just kept thinking the word love just kept going over and over and over in my head. And I thought, you know, Jesus was dying. He was about to die. Okay, and right and before he died, he saw his mother. He took the time to acknowledge his mother and he entrusted care of his mother to his disciples. He said, This is your mother. That's his provision. And I thought about the love of God. For God John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to die for us. And therein God displayed his love for us. And as he did, Jesus was displaying his love for his mother in his last moments on earth. And, that, and uh, it's noteworthy that this was his last few moments on earth. He was caring. He was showing his love before he died. He wasn't thinking, or like many people would be, oh my God, what did you know? What am I gonna do about this or that or? I didn't get to do this or, you know, be concerned about ourselves, our lives, the fact that we did or didn't choose well or, you know, or what, what else we could have done or what we're going to be missing. And that's important. That character of love, that, that, you know, Jesus displaying that love is heartening. It's heartening. It shows us that the love of God transcends everything everything that it the love of god there is no beginning no end there's nothing more important there is nothing stronger and more more meaningful the bible says for god is love the whole book of john or john in his writings he mentioned love he's always talking about love god is love if we don't if if we don't love we don't know god because god is love so let us love each other. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You've been so, so kind to me.
I am charged this morning to speak on the fourth of Jesus' seven words called the words of abandonment. And the text I'll be using this morning is Matthew 27, verse 46. On that midday when the sun refused to shine, Jesus hung on the cross in silence for three hours. At three o'clock in the afternoon, when God the Father laid the sins of the world on him, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21, he turned his back and abandoned his son. God could not look upon sin. Habakkuk 1.13 tells us that God's eyes are too pure to approve evil, and he cannot look favorable on wickedness nor tolerate wrong. The wrath of God rained down on Jesus' soul like sulfur, and in a loud voice he cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. These words were heard and misunderstood by the crowd. Some said, Jesus is calling out to Elijah. But what Jesus was doing, he was quoting Psalm 22.1 as he cried out from the anguish of his soul, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knew what his mission was, and his mission was to become the substitutionary sacrifice, which meant that he would die to pay the sin debt of the world. And only this could satisfy the wrath of God against mankind's sinfulness. It was God the Father's plan to provide a way that you and I can become the righteousness of God. And so he took the sins of the world, he took your sins and he took my sins, and he placed them on his son so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. 1 Peter 2.24 tells us that Jesus bore our sins in his body on the cross so that you and I might die to sin and live for righteousness. And by the very wounds, the very lashes that Jesus took, you and I can proclaim healing. Jesus' physical body was horrible. The physical agony was horrible. But it was not the lashes to his back, the nails in his hands and feet, or the thorny crown on his head that caused the most pain. It was the anguish in his soul from being separated and abandoned by his heavenly father. Can you imagine this morning being separated from someone you love or someone you have been with all your life? Can you imagine the pain of not having your child again because your child is taken or separated or, or have abandoned you? Or have you ever been abandoned by a parent or a friend? Can you think of the anguish that you felt in your soul? Nothing that you'd have lost tangible can amount for that pain that Jesus felt. And maybe this morning you have been abandoned. Maybe this morning you are still feeling the pain of that abandonment. Jesus understands because for the very first time in eternity, 
intimacy and fellowship between God the Father and Jesus the Son was broken. And this was the greatest sacrifice ever. Jesus was willing to endure the suffering, the separation, and the abandonment that you and I deserve so that whomever believe in him would never experience eternal salvation from God. Jesus was forsaken for so you and I could be accepted. What an amazing love. What an amazing love. What an amazing love. Jesus was a forsaken so you could be accepted. You were forsaken, I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. I'm forgiven. And if you're just joining us, where have you been? Awesome. God is awesome. So we're continuing the seven last words. Seven last words. Seven things that was documented when Jesus was here. And he's coming back. And we are so thankful that we get the opportunity to share. So, so far, we did... Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Today, you will be in paradise. Woman, behold thy son. Behold thy mother. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And now we're going to do I thirst. This is taken from John 19, 28. And it reads, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. So we understand that he's on the cross and he's been there for a while and it's in um, anguish. He's sweating. You know, when you're doing physical work and you're sweating, 
the first thing you'll want water to drink. But this is not the thirst that the Lord is talking about. This is a different thirst. As we can remember, whenever Jesus was going to do any kind of ministry, any kind of work, anything, he will always be secluded with the Father so that he will get strength to do the work. And he always mentioned, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Because, you see, he's teaching us by example that we too should live likewise. We should always check in with the Father to get strength and direction for the day. As we continue with the relationship and we continue to grow closer and closer to him, we will hear his voice. And he says, my sheep hear his voice. And another, they would not follow. So this is over time of preparation and going through. And the time has come. And he prayed and he was, he was actually getting strength from the Father. And as we, we, we celebrated and we took the emblems and we, we understand what can wash away my sins. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So I want to backtrack a little bit and share a conversation that he had with a certain person. So this lady, she, would we, we would call her, she's a lady of the night. She, she came out in the evening to draw water to drink. And then the conversation was there. It was almost like a setup because Jesus was there waiting for her to come out. And the idea that Jesus would meet you wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you have done, Jesus wants to get to you. He wants to present himself. Because the idea, sometimes people think that they are the one that found the Lord. And we can share differently based on scripture that he was there, presented himself, and waited for the lady. So it says, John 4, verse 7, it says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me a drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how it is that you, being a Jew, ask at me for a drink? Which I am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And we know that the story about the good Samaritan. We know that they, that guy did an exceptional job and it was recorded in scripture. So she's saying that we don't have no dealings so you shouldn't even be here much less asking me for water to drink. But you know, Jesus always do the setting up. He said, verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou would have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. Living water. So, 
Let, let's go back again to John 19, 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, says, I thirst. I thirst. So he, this is the person that we worship, the living water, the living, the living entity of everything that exists on this earth. Verse 11, the woman said unto him, Sir, respectfully, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. For when thou hast thou this living water, art thou greater than the father Jacob, which gave unto us the well, and drank therefore of himself, and his children, and his cattle, Jesus answered, verse 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Now verse 15, the lady answered. She said unto him, Sir, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come here either to draw. So we understand the lady had a situation where she had to get water and she had to basically hide and come out in the evening. And we can assume that the water that she's getting is not the best. It's not the clearest. It's not the, and she have to do this. And she's living that kind of life. And Jesus know everything. Then he said to her. Go and call thy husband. And come hither. The woman answered and said. I have no husband. Jesus said unto her. Thou hast well said. I have no husband. So the idea that when Jesus come and asks question, it, it, it's for us to give him the truth. Because he said those, these, those that worship him must worship him in, in spirit and in truth. So she already qualified by giving the truth. He was impressed. Not many could answer in that way and giving the truth. You know? But she said, sir, you're right. I have no husband. Then Jesus um, continued, For thou hast five husbands, and him who you are with is not thy husband. Um, and in that said, Thou truthfully. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say that Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. So even as an example today on a Sunday morning, where all the churches are gathering together online, they're not in a physical assembly right now. They're in a place where they're gathering together two or three and they're online and they are worshiping the Lord the same way. And we're so thankful for the technology that we could use and we could extend the borders, and this could be one of the greater things 
that we shall do. Because Jesus said we shall do great things. Remember, Jesus couldn't be at that place and at another place at the same time. So he went away and sent out his Holy Spirit. Jesus answered and said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh. When ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, um, ye, ye, ye worship, ye not, know not what. We know that we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is and when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said unto him, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called the Christ. When he come, he shall tell us all things. Verse 26. Jesus said unto her, I speak unto thee, am thee. And upon this time, his disciple um, had marveled that he talked to the woman. Yet no man said anything or talked with, with her. The woman left, the woman then left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? So we go back to the scripture. After this, Jesus knowing all things were now accomplished. That the scripture might be fulfilled says, I thirst. Jesus wants to go back in the presence. He's thirsting for the presence of his father. He has already been drained, but this is a spiritual draining that's coming upon his body. Glory to your name. Come on, let's worship him. Hallelujah. Come on, he's worthy, he's worthy. Lord, we just thirst, we hunger for more of you, Jesus. i 
I'm now charged with, hi again everyone, <laughs> um, I'm now charged to share on John 19 verse 30, which says, when he had received the drink, he said, it is finished. Jesus' last word, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He gave up his spirit. The word finish in Greek means to complete, to fulfill, to perfect. The purpose for which Christ came, he has accomplished this, this task. He has completed his earthly mission and it is finished for me, meant triumph. It done. It not have no more thing to go. It is finished. It done. It is over. It has been completed. The task has been perfected. God, in his righteousness and holiness and justice, required payment for our sin. He came and he did just that. In Acts 4 verse 12, it says salvation is found in no one else. In no other name under, the, under heaven given to men which we are saved. It also says in Ephesians 1 verse 7, him, in him, we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of the grace of God. Jesus not only perfect, was the only one who was able to perfect this life sinless. And he was the payment. He was the lamb. That, Jesus, that, that God the Father needed. He perfected this, this task that his father said to him, go. And he came. And the, it is finished. It's a word of triumph. He, I have done it, dad. It's over. What you sent me to do is over, father. He has perfected this. He has paid all the debt that we incur on that cross. That cross, the sins that we now commit, we are able to ask for forgiveness of sin because of the cross. It, it not just gave triumph over, over the enemy and the fact that we 
have sinned and the debt that we have paid, it was also a declaration of completing the prophecies that have been made about the Basile. In Isaiah 53, if you know that whole thing, it's impossible to read it right now because of, of time, but 53 verse 5 says, but he was pierced for our transgression and crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that was brought upon us, there's peace. Whoops, I'm sorry. In, he was crushed for our iniquities and the punishment was brought upon us. Peace was in him, upon him. In, in, in Genesis verse 3, that prophecy was fulfilled on the fateful day of the cross. And so many other places in Isaiah, he completed the prophecy. So it, it is truth when he said it was finished. He declared through truth to the heavenlies. He declared it to his father. He declared it to all creation. I have done it. It is complete. The enemy sealed, fate was sealed at that point. Victory has been won. He had no, death had no victory over us anymore. It had no hold on us. Jesus has completed the blessed task of making sure that we were able to live in freedom. When something is fulfilled and completed, there's nothing else we have to do. There's nothing else you need. There's no enemy you need to fight at this point. Because Jesus is in a place of rest. He has completed the task for you. He has won the battle. And so we can stand in gratefulness, giving thanks because of this victory and this triumph. In, in Colossians 2, it says, Having disarmed powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Victory belongs to Jesus. He is now seated at the right hand at the, of the Father in a place of rest. Jesus have, have won our victory. We have no more reason to be running around and, and holding the weight of sin because he has done it all for us. He has restored, Jesus has restored the relationship with God the Father and him being a just God had to, to, to have a sacrifice made. He had to have it. He is a God of justice. So he sent his son, a part of him, to pay for sinful humanity. The love of God triumphed over sin and death. As my sister says, she saw the love and I saw the love of Christ in it is finished. The love of God triumphs over darkness. 
over sin, over death. It no longer had any sting. Can't touch this. <laughs> As Hama said once, it can't touch this. It can't touch us anymore. The ransom have been paid once and for all. And Jesus has opened and restored that relationship with God the Father, who is standing with open arms, welcoming us to him. We have had now a place of righteousness, a place of right standing. We can enter into the throne room of God and say boldly, Abba, Father, here I am. We have, the, 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 the curtain has been torn. The separation is gone. And the bridge has been gapped. The gap has been fulfilled by the death of Christ on the cross. And therefore, when Jesus said it was finished, his destiny on earth was completed. Are you able to say that at the end of your life, it is finished, knowing that you have completed all? You have completed what Christ has given for you to do in terms of walking in your destiny. Brothers and sisters, let us search our hearts to ensure that we are doing all that we can to say at the end of our life, if we get the opportunity to say it is finished, we can say it in triumph, we can say it in victory, knowing that we have completed the task that God gave us. The reason why we were here, our purpose, our destiny, we have completed that task. And in triumph, we can say it is finished. It has been completed. It is over. Father, you are able to do all things. And thank you, Jesus, for you finishing that task so we can say in triumph, it is finished as well.
words of Jesus revealed his heart towards humanity, towards you and I. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, is the words of forgiveness. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise, the words of salvation. Woman, this is your son. Then he said to the disciples, this is your mother the word of relationship. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The words of abandonment. I thirst. The words of distress. It is finished. The words of triumph. Father, and finally, Father, into your hands I commit or commend my spirit. The words of reunion. This morning, I want you to prepare to do communion with us. So get your wine, your juice, grape juice, your bread, your biscuit, whatever you have that we can break and eat and drink to represent what Jesus did for you and I. And we want to thank Pastor Kirk, Anne, and Tamar this morning for presenting. And now for the final word of Jesus called the words of reunion. The text this morning is Luke 23:46. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Just as the curtain of the temple that separated man from God was torn in two, Jesus' dying words Echoes Psalm 31 5. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus had mustered all the energy and the strength he had to cry out to the Father because he was no longer abandoned. He was now commending, committing his spirit to this Father, and they were about to be reunited as one. Jesus had completed his mission on earth and he's now commending his spirit to his father's care for protection. Commending his spirit into his father's hand for divine care and protection. As I mentioned this morning, Jesus' life wasn't taken from him. He laid it down freely and voluntarily in obedience to his father's will. 
In John 10, 17 to 18, Jesus reveals his authority and the plan of his father to his disciples. Jesus said, the reason my father loves me that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. What power, what authority? This command I received from my father. Also in John 19, 11, Jesus responds to Pilate's claim. When Pilate says to, 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 to Jesus, when he asked him the questions and Jesus would not respond, Pilate says, I have the power to crucify you or to free you. But Jesus said to him, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Jesus has all power in heaven and on earth. Therefore, if you and I trust him, he will reveal his authority and his power over our circumstances. And also, he will give us the power to endure the trials and the temptations. Because he works two ways. He, he overcomes them and he, and he conquers death and he conquers this. But he also gives us the ability to endure them. What power, what authority. Stephen in Acts 7, 59, when he too was being stoned to death, he offered his spirit to the Lord Jesus at the point of death with such confidence. Stephen was sure of his salvation. He was sure that he was, re, was about at the point to be united and reunited with the Father because of what Jesus did for him before. Will you or can you confidently offer your spirits to God because you are assured of your salvation? Can you confidently say today, Father, I commend my spirit, and this is what believers are required to do, at the point at the point in life and it may not death but at a point where you can confidently say to to jesus father jesus i commend my spirit i commit my spirit into your hands we can only do that when we are assured of that salvation that comes through the risen lord jesus was buried in the tomb but three days later, he rose from the dead. Death has lost its sting. Jesus rose triumphantly. He rose being victorious over death and the grave. And he comes this morning to tell you and I that you and I can have that power over death because he's alive. He is risen. And he comes and he offers to you and I this morning that free salvation so that we can be assured of that place of being with him. You and I do not have to face death anymore because of what Jesus did for us. You and I can celebrate this morning because we are reunited with the Father because of what Jesus did for us. The curtain, the veil has been torn. In the old days, it was only the, the, the high priest who would enter into that holy of holy once per year to offer sacrifice for himself and then to offer for the people. 
But Jesus never had to offer sacrifice for himself. He was pure. He was holy. He was righteous. He was a lamb without spot. Without sin. And this morning he bids you and I to come. Because he's alive. He's risen. And this morning I want you to grab your bread, your biscuit. And this morning the scripture says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And so Jesus is saying to us this morning, as you remember my sacrifice this morning, take your bread, take the bread, break your bread, which represents my body, and eat in remembrance of me. And so, Father, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. And we thank you for your blood that was shed for us. We give you thanks, Father, because out of what you, because of what you have done, we have access to the Father. Because of what you have done, our wounds are striped by your stripes. We are healed this morning. Because of what you have done, God, we can stand or sit or shout or we clap. Whatever method or mode that we want to find ourselves in this morning, God, we can say to you, you have done it. You are alive. You have been risen. And we give you thanks. And so, Father, we eat of this bread that represents your body this morning. And we drink of the wine that represents your blood in remembrance of you. So we give you thanks, Father, as we eat and drink. In Jesus' name. For all the earth had trembled The sun had hid its face And all the men that walked with him Turned and run away. They crucified our Savior and laid him in a tomb. The life that once brought love and hope slipped away that afternoon. Satan gleamed with pleasure that day at Calvary. For he thought he had won a mighty victory. And like him, all 
all of the demons of hell began to cheer. <laughs> Ooh, but little did they know that their end was drawing
Lord, we thank you for what you are doing. We thank you for what you continue to do in and through our lives as you bless this ministry in Jesus' name. We pray, amen. So I would like to close off the service, but I would like to give you the opportunity to give us a call if you have made a decision to accept Christ, if you need prayer, if you are in fear of the whole, what is happening now? People are losing their jobs. People are worried about death and, and pain and what is happening with COVID-19. You have a Christ that has completed all that has happened. The victory is ours. Look to him. And in these circumstances, we are asking you, if you wish to reach out to us, our number is 469 333-0397 or drop us an email at newhorizonmin at gmail.com Thank you. And um, this, this day we would just want to, to pray Father God for your blessings over all that is listening that you will bless them in their going out and their coming in that their bread and their water will be blessed. Lord Jesus, that their household will be blessed even at this time. Father God, that you would open new doors, that you would speak to them in dreams and in visions, Lord God. That, Father God, they would have that assurance, that, that comfort of the Holy Spirit being with them. That they would recognize that you are here with us. You are an ever-present God. A God that never leaves or forsakes us. All of that is over. All of that has been completed at the cross. And therefore we can stand knowing that Jesus is alive. He has resurrected. And you have all the prophecies about him has been fulfilled. And you, Lord, are here with us. Father, for those who are having fear right now, your word says perfect love cast out all fear. And your perfect love, Father God, may they receive your perfect love over this, this, the sound of my voice right now. May they understand and give them a revelation knowledge of your perfect love. All that is listening, whoever is listening right now, Lord, to touch their hearts in a special way, Lord. May they know the height, the depth, the length, and the width of your love. That you're a God of love. May it just not be a head knowledge, but a heart condition of knowing that you love them. And you're standing with open arms, waiting for that relationship. At this time while we're quarantined, let us take this time to know our God. To know the exploits of our God. To know who he is. That we can spend the time to get intimate with him. To get tight. To get, to get that love. To, to recognize how much he loves us. To get that peace. Because our mind is stayed upon him. We're, we don't have to be in, 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 in battle anymore. But that peace of Christ, may that peace of Christ go with us today. May we be truly blessed. Every household, 
everyone listening and will and whoever continues to listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Be blessed, brothers and sisters. Be blessed.
praises. Sing praises with understanding. Which tells me that when we sing unto the Lord, we're not just singing because it sounds good. Because I can move my body. Because the beat is just what I like. It's West Indian or it's, or it's, um, it's, it's pop or it's R&B. But because we're singing unto the Lord. With understanding. Understanding every word that you're verbalizing is unto the Lord. And if you sing it, understanding that you're singing to an awesome God. A God who is able to do what man can't even possible think about. When you put yourself in that mindset that you're singing unto somebody whose ways are past finding out. The Bible says, who can give him counsel? Who can fathom the mind of God to know what he's going to do next? This reminds me of Paul and Silas when they were in jail. These are a couple of people who sang with understanding. They stood in that little room. They understood what they were singing about and they understood who they were singing onto. So it's a two-way thing. You've got to know what you're saying and who you're saying it to. If I could let my imagination go wild a little bit, I can imagine Paul singing, you are awesome in this jail. Mighty God, you are awesome in this jail. Abba Father, there was a tremble in my cup. Jesus showed up. He said, you're worthy of all praise to you, the deliverer, to you, the healer, to you, my provider. Our hearts be raised. You are awesome. In my situation, this jail. Mighty God. Have you ever been laying on your sick bed? The doctor says, no. But you said, God, you are awesome. In this place. Mighty God. You are awesome. In this place, whatever it is, Abba Father, you are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy of all the praise to you, to you, how our hearts we I may be sick, but God, you are awesome. The doctor said, No, but you are awesome. They said, I got six months to live, but you are awesome. I'm no longer in my sick bed. You are awesome. I could have paid my bills, but you made a way. You are awesome. They gave up on me, but you are awesome. In this place. Mighty God, have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? When everybody said you'll never amount to nothing, but all you can do is say, Lord, you are awesome in this place. My, those of you who know what I'm talking about, you join with me. I'm not talking about 
spectators, but those of you 